Welcome to How Do You Do the Podcast. I'm Samantha Vinokor-Meinra. And I'm Yael Haroudi. And we are here every week to talk about all things Jewy. Um, for our episode today, we're going to take a slightly heavier note than usual. As regular listeners know, both Yael and I have very strong connections with Israel. And as such, we have a lot of feelings about what is happening on the ground. While we're not going to talk about the politics of Israel and the complexities of the situation, Um, unfolding right now. We do encourage you to read, research, reach out to your Israeli friends and learn more. We do want to talk about anti-Semitism and the hatred of the Jewish people and how that is manifesting, unfortunately, at this uh, particular moment. This is the first of a couple episodes we'll be doing on this topic. We're excited to bring in other voices to share their insights as well as facts on the ground. Um, But for now, this is something that we felt was really important to share our feelings on. Um, So we are about to get into it. Yes, and uh, before we do jump into it, how about Samantha? Maybe you can give us a definition of anti-Semitism? Sure. So anti-Semitism is officially hostility towards, prejudices against, or discrimination of Jews. It's referred to as the world's oldest hatred, um, and it manifests in all kinds of different ways. Anti-Semitism is everything from accusing Jews of um, the blood libel, which is something that happened um, throughout history, um, this perception that Jews would steal Christian babies um, to use their blood for matzah, that's an ancient form of anti-Semitism, to um, conspiracy theories about Jews controlling the banks or the media, um, Jews as demonic, Jews as other, um, and lately a lot of it manifests as double standards or discrimination, um, a lot of it specifically related to, related to Israel, but also coming in lots of other ways. So I think broadly, we're using this definition of anti-Semitism as hatred of the Jewish people in whatever form that looks like. And today, unfortunately, there's no shortage of examples. We see anti-Semitism on the left, on the right, on social media, um, again, related to different um, political um political events um and yeah there's a huge uptick we see from statistics from the anti-defamation league which tracks anti-semitism that 2020 was the highest year on record for anti-semitic incidents some of them related to the pandemic some otherwise um and it's really disturbing and scary to see this uptick in hatred of jews in a time where one would think that kind of all forms of racism are under a microscope and are not being tolerated to see this uptick is really frightening. Um, So we could talk about anti-Semitism in lots of different ways, but I think it's important to share our our personal feels towards it. So Yael, how, if at all, has anti-Semitism factored into your Jewish story and to how you Jew? Um, I mean, okay, so when I was about 11, we did live in North Carolina for a year, Chapel Hill, and that was the first time I ever encountered um, anti-Semitism because before that, we lived in Israel, and Israel is a mostly, there's there were mostly Jews around me. It is a Jewish country by definition, and so I grew up in, in a bubble, you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Muslims that, that did live around us, um, all the Bedouin, um, suburbs that are around us 
we I never encountered actual anti-Semitism. It was just coexisting, nothing weird about it. Yeah. Everyone just accepted you're Jewish, you're Muslim, and some Christians, like, and that's it. That That's mm-hmm. all I had. Um, and then moving to North Carolina was the first time I actually ever encountered the fact that people hate Jews and the fact that an 11 year old, year old excuse me, can hate me for being Jewish. Mm-hmm. And what does he know? Mm-hmm. Except from what he heard at home. Right. So um, I remember we were in art class and it was around the holidays, of course, where all differences come out. And the teacher gave us like these um, newspapers to, and we had to do like newspapers, newspaper cutouts mm-hmm. for the holidays. Okay. So whoever was celebrating Christmas did Christmassy things and I did everything like blue and white and everything that I could find that had to do with Hanukkah Mm -hmm. and then one of the kids was just I don't know wandering around looking for newspapers I guess to cut out and he takes a glimpse of my creation and he says what is that and I said Hanukkah Mm -hmm. and he says and he looks at me and he just yells in the class ew you're Jewish and I was 11 I knew nothing I just looked at him and I started crying because no one had ever said that to me. Right. The teacher freaked out. Um, took, she, she immediately took him outside. Mm-hmm. I don't know, spoke to him, whatever. I just know that he was expelled. Mm-hmm. Um, my oh mom, my God. My mom was called in to the principal's office together with me. They apologized sincerely. Mm-hmm. But after that incident, um, there was another girl that would not sit at my lunch table wow. because I'm Jewish. And it just went on and on. And that year I got questions like, where are you from? I said, from Israel. And I was asked, how did I get there? And I said, what do you mean on a plane? Mm -hmm. And I was also asked, what, you have planes? It was just like a rolling kind of ball ever. Like since that kid said, ew, you're Jewish, I started experiencing the fact that I'm an Israeli Jew living in the most maybe anti-Semitic area I've ever lived in, Mm -hmm. in my life. And that's also the reason I will never go back to North Carolina. Like, seriously. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) That's, you know, that's so hard and it's heartbreaking, but it's actually amazing how quickly they reacted. Because I've been doing a lot of research on anti-Semitism lately, especially with high school and middle school students. And so many of the answers that I'm getting are about teachers or administrators Either oh being my God. hesitant to react or I not completely reacting. forgot to talk about the teacher. You said that was, you said that. No, 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 no. There was another it. teacher. Oh, never mind. I was giving some shout outs. I'm sorry. Can I cut you off for two seconds and actually talk about the teacher who was the main. Mrs. Haskins, if you listen to this, I know how anti-Semitic you were. And I knew back then. And I also know why oh my, my mom got so angry at her. Um, and about the school handling her. She was my ESL teacher. How does that even make sense? Mrs. Haskins, please unsubscribe. Everyone else, five stars. I have a horrible thing to say to Mrs. Haskins that I would not say right now, um, but I, I don't remember any teacher's name except from Mrs. Haskins, and I will say her name so many times. So Mrs. Haskins was completely anti-Semitic, okay? 
She made me go through hell and back and hell again during the whole freaking year that we were studying together. She was my ESL teacher, so I actually had to sit in her class. If anybody doesn't know what ESL is, it's English as a second language. She was supposed to help me, and instead of that, every single class she was so mean to me and i as okay 11 year old me was so quiet i can't even tell you like i was so i was silent Mm -hmm. i was sitting in classes just minding my own business studying doing what i was supposed to do doing what i was giving especially knowing that it was hard for me to study in english after getting used to studying in hebrew and so i was i was this i was silent I don't even know how she started picking on me, mm-hmm. but she picked on me the whole year. My mom had to come in for to school for to, for that too, to talk to her, because it was unbearable. I would come home crying. Like, classes were horrible with her. So what made that anti-Semitism, though? Mrs. Haskins. I was the only Israeli Jew in the class, mm-hmm. and she did not pick on anyone else. Mm. What does that say to you? Yeah. That's hard, because I, I think it's interesting you know, once you're aware of anti-Semitism, we know how to identify it. But like for so many of the students who I work with, we've had a lot of conversations about like, I know it's anti-Semitism if someone draws a swastika on a locker. I know it's anti-Semitism if someone says, ew, you're Jewish. But how do you know when something, and I'm using air quotes here, listeners, counts? Anti-Semitism, I think, can come out in so many different ways, even in silent ways. Yeah. It can be it can be just by giving a different um, kind of attitude mm-hmm. towards one of your students, Mrs. Haskins, and giving a different attitude to other students. It's right. by treating them differently. Yeah. That's anti-Semitism. If you're not treating all your students equally, you should be asking yourself why. Right. And I think that's how we see anti-Semitism as like part of the larger conversation of just discrimination that someone is different in this case the reason was that you were jewish israeli this Um, is called anti-semitism but if you if if there were two other people in this scenario for instance black or white it would be called it would be called out as racism and it can it can just be any i i really don't see the difference between being racist and being Mm anti-semitic it's anti-semitic is just towards a religion Mm -hmm. whereas racism is towards a race Mm -hmm. The one thing I always say when I look at these, I know it's gonna, it's kind of a very, um, what can I, I don't know how to word this. It's a hard topic to talk mm-hmm. about, but um, I always, when I try to explain anti-Semitism, for instance, to Dan, he's, mm-hmm. he's not Jewish, he's never been um, in a situation where his race was targeted. I tell him, I feel the pain of, people saying you are racist like to someone else i feel that pain of 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 feeling that you're a minority Mm -hmm. okay because we we felt that all the time Mm -hmm. yes in israel you feel it less Mm -hmm. but in israel you feel it when you look outside into the world right to the world exactly and so i always say racism and anti-semitism are kind of the same i can't say the same Mm -hmm. but it's it's the same fine line that you're walking just that it's easier for me to hide that I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me to hide that I'm Israeli, especially because I don't. I speak with a very small accent. But it's easier for me to hide that mm-hmm. living here, right. which is kind of weird that I need to hide it. But oh my god, I have so much to say about this topic. I'm sorry. I'm just, no, I can no. go on and on. No, I think it's really important because there's like we have to acknowledge that you and I are both white. We have white privilege, but 
despite the fact that we can, and I'm using, again, air quotes, listeners, yes. pass, yes. we have a different lived experience. We have this experience of being minorities, of being Jewish, and a different story than the majority of the people in this country. Um, and, and we know that, and we feel that pain, and I think that's why so many Jews are called to be allies and to be allies to other minority communities, because we're there. We know what it's like, not to even just to say that we've been there, but especially based on this uptick of anti-Semitism, we're in it. We get it. Also a problem. Not everyone has been there. Not everyone has experienced this. Not all Jews were even raised Jewish. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of Jews that don't relate to Judaism in any way. I actually have family mm -hmm. that is like that. Mm -hmm. um, and and some, some Jews are what we call self-hating Jews mm -hmm. that will be anti-Semitic towards their own people. Yeah. Which uh, I don't know if you can say call it anti-Semitic. I think you can. You can't. It's crazy. I think you can. Yeah. No, it's really hard. Um, I recently met with someone, um, and I apologize if you're a listener. I'm not quoting you because I genuinely don't remember who it was. Um, so if anyone <laughs> remembers, I'm happy to give credit where credit is due. But they described anti-Semitism as. Did you read Harry Potter? Of course. Okay. So you know the um, like the Boggart. Um, figure where it's like the thing that it takes the shape of whatever you're the most afraid of so it would look different for you than it would for me and like for everyone who sees it it's like whatever your biggest fear yeah. is for me it would be like a small dark space just gonna say that um, <laughs> claustrophobia is real folks so they described anti-semitism as basically being like the boggart of hatred because it doesn't make sense people can look at jews and say I hate you because you aren't from anywhere, like this rootless cosmopolitan idea. Um, I hate you because you're a capitalist. I hate you because you're a socialist. I hate you because of your religion. I hate you because of your lack of religion. I hate you because you're other. I hate you because you're too much like me and could fade in. And it was just so interesting that there's like no rhyme or reason to it, but if someone is looking for someone to other and like they want a reason to do so they can find it amongst the jewish community and how easy it is for that to to take hold um in a society i think we have a long history of people hating us so i think we both have a lot to say about yeah. this uh, situation listen we see today that there's anti-semitism on the left on the right online pop culture, all celebrities, most of Hollywood. Um, Even though apparently Hollywood's run by the Jews. Apparently, yeah. We're not doing a good job. It's funny how they say that Jews control the media, yet the media is so anti-Israel and um, a lot of the media is now becoming anti-Semitic. I remain well. the first to say if the Jews control the banks, like no one has called me about this yet. <laughs> um, I am I am ready and waiting for uh, my cut, everyone. <laughs> the same thing so, as when the space laser thing came out earlier mm -hmm. this year. Like, nobody has called me about this. And I'm a very plugged-in Jew. It just sounds interesting. Um, anyways, so with all this anti-Semitism literally everywhere um, today, wh which one is the most concerning to you? I'm going to give an annoying answer because my answer is yes and. Mm, so That's perfect. Thank you. Okay, my answer is good, not annoying. <laughs> so 
I see this, I think, from multiple perspectives. I am allegedly an adult. People have been saying that to me lately. Um, (laughs) But I work with high school students and college students. So Mm -hmm. I have the opportunity to really see, like, what Gen Zers are facing in terms of Mm anti-Semitism. I think that in that regard, the anti-Semitism of the Internet, and particularly of social media, is deeply disturbing to me. Because if you're coming of age at a time where that's your means of expression it's your means of connecting of building community of like you know we can have a conversation about whether or not the number of likes you get on a social media post should be um an indicator of your self-esteem levels but regardless we see that like especially for you know gen zers there's confidence that comes from how many likes your instagram got or if your tiktok went viral or whatever it is and the anti-semitism that we see online part of what's really disturbing is it's equating Judaism with Israel. And we've talked a lot on this show about, you know, my Judaism is deeply tied to Israel. Yours is as well, but that's not how everyone Jews, and it's not how everything related to Judaism comes up. So I'll see these examples where teens who I work with or who I'm connected with will say, you know, I posted a video on TikTok of like myself lighting Hanukkah candles And they refer to it as like flag bombing, that immediately people just kind of come on with comments of free Palestine and Palestinian flags and Zionists are pigs and like this whole thing. And they don't know what to do with that because from their perspective, I posted a video of lighting Hanukkah candles. I wasn't taking a stance on Israel. Um, I may never have been to Israel. I might not know what my stance on Israel is. I might be a huge proponent of a two-state solution and like, you know, have great support for the Palestinian people, but to have this thing where if you publicly express your Judaism on social media, you're then hit with anti-Semitism. It drives people to want to be quiet and to want to be underground and to not want to necessarily use like a Jewish hashtag. I could say on our Instagram account, like it doesn't necessarily bother me because I'm jaded and old, but there are certain like, um, hashtags that I've used for our podcast Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at How Do You Jew Pod, where like there's bots out there that if I post something and tag it with Israel, a comment comes up a second later that I just delete. Um, so I think that's really disturbing because it's sending like otherwise proud Jews who are just excited to explore and express themselves into this f- space of like having to question whether or not they should. Um, I'm also, I'm equally disturbed by anti-Semitism from the left and the right, but I think it looks different. Um, I think that it's really easy to spend a lot of time focusing on the problems with the other. So if you identify as left or progressive or Democrat, you know, whatever label you want to use, it's really easy to say, look what's happening over there. Look what the conservative slash Republican slash right are dealing with in terms of anti-Semitism in the form of white nationalism. And that's a huge problem. So I don't have to deal with what's happening in my own community. And if you're on the right to be able to say, look at what's happening with the BDS movement or with, again, discrimination against Jews as minorities and in in otherwise minority safe spaces, it's so much easier to point fingers than to do the housekeeping of like my own, you know, group, so to speak. So I find both equally disturbing. We can say, um, 
that, you know, you can, anyone could say one is worse than the other, that intellectual intimidation versus physical intimidation, people can weigh down on like what is scarier to them. But I think unfortunately we're in this like crazy mixed up time where the lines have blurred, where the person who committed the shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh was a white nationalist, but the person um, who committed the shooting in Hoboken, New Jersey, was not. Um, that, And we need to be able to name that problems are coming on both sides in order to basically do anything moving forward. I completely agree with everything that you just said. Um, I want to actually go back a little bit in history to the time the UN voted on uh, finally acknowledging that Israel is a country and giving it to the Jewish people um, due to the history that the Jewish people have with um, in Israel mm -hmm. um, over thousands of years. Yeah. Not taking away from any other religion that has history in that country, this was an actual legal vote, mm -hmm. okay? Ever since Israel was born, we have seen, we haven't seen anti-Semitism go away. Right. So you would expect everyone that was complaining all these years that the Jews are taking their jobs, mm -hmm. the Jews are taking their workplaces, the Jews are um, taking over their universities, colleges, media. I don't even know how to like, it, it, it never ends, okay? Mm -hmm. The Jews are taking over everything for them. You would expect those countries that asked for, for Israel to, to be a country, right? Mm -hmm. All the Jews fled to Israel. Mm -hmm. You would expect anti-Semitism to go away, mm -hmm. but it hasn't. It only grew and grew and grew. And today, the scary part about it is that social media made it so easy to become anti-Semitic without even realizing that you're becoming anti-Semitic. That's what's scary about it. Now social media puts Israel together with any Jew that you know, right. without knowing the history of that Jewish person. Right. That Jewish person may not have ever visited Israel. Right. It may not even have relatives in Israel. Right. That may be a Jew that was living in the States back when um, Germany was Nazi Germany, and that Jew may have had or hadn't had any family in in Nazi Germany. And I'm talking about like my whole mom's, like her her mom's side, yeah, Americans, yeah. My dad, my her dad's side, yes, Germany fled mm -hmm. um, uh, Nazi Germany. Here I'm born, but. There's like history to every Jewish person, and yet every Jewish person is put together with Israel immediately. And the media puts out so much things, so many things. And people, the media made it easy for people to not research. I agree. And I think that also, especially with social media and like clickbait headlines, um, we're removed from context. That mm -hmm. so many conversations, um, both about Israel, but also just like other things related to. Judaism and anti-Semitism, as soon as you have to get them down into, you know, a hashtag or 140 characters or whatever it is, the context for these complex situations has totally gone out the window. And um, in, I don't remember exactly what year, but in the 2000s, 
um, Natan Sharansky, um, who you know is an Israeli um, politician, a former leader of the Russian movement to save Soviet Jewry. He was jailed as a Zionist and as a Jew in the former Soviet Union, um, has been the head of the Jewish agency, and it's just all around an amazing like person that people should know about. Um, came up with the three D's test to determine when criticism of Israel is legitimate criticism of Israel, which Israelis do more than anyone, Jews do more than anyone, That's and when it morphs into anti-Semitism. Yes. So the three D's test, it's, is it um, delegitimization, demonization, and double standards? So demonization is pretty clear. It's kind of what I talked about in the beginning about ancient tropes of anti-Semitism. Are Jews being portrayed as demonic, as inhuman, as um, just separate from the rest of humanity? Is Israel being treated as a demon? That's anti-Semitism versus saying, I don't agree with an Israeli policy. Great, neither do I, guaranteed. Um, the delegitimization is questioning Israel's right to exist and saying that all the other countries of the world have this right and only Israel's is under a microscope of a question mark. Again, if you're a person who like doesn't believe in states and borders in general and you think that no countries have the right to exist, hope it goes well for you. But if you're specifically calling out Israel as the Jewish state as the only one, that's anti-Semitism. And then the third one is double standards and holding Israel accountable for things that no other country is asked to and also putting an extra microscope on Israel. I got very legitimately called out recently because I was talking to someone, again, if you're a listener, um, I'm not naming you because I forgot who said it to me. Um, <laughs> the, I think there's a trope going on here that I don't remember who I talked to, but I had very important conversations. Um, but someone basically said to me when I was talking about like how the current situation in Israel um, is being portrayed, I think at the same time, I feel like I'm seeing it all over the place, but I live in a very deep bubble. And then that the world isn't reacting or isn't reacting in the way that I would want them to. And she said to me, did you know that in April of this year, there was a coup d'etat in Chad? And I said, no. And you're right. I don't know about like other things in the world the way that potentially I should. But what does it say that there was a coup d'etat in Chad and people don't know about it? And any little thing that happens within the Jewish state, like is headline generating and protest and rally generating. And that's where I think the double standards thing comes in. There are many legitimate ways to criticize Israel. You can criticize Israel on any number of things. And I don't think we should get into the list of criticisms of Israel at this point, but it's the putting Israel under a microscope as the Jewish state versus what any other country in the world would have to deal with that's concerning and that crosses that line. It, that's also part of the problem, though, mm -hmm. that Israel is a Jewish state. Mm -hmm. Unlike the United States, yeah. it's not, it, it doesn't belong to a certain um, um, religion. religion. Right, but plenty of other countries do. There are plenty of Muslim countries, Christian countries in the world that, like again, don't have a separation of church and state. They're democracies or non-democracies that have a religious identity and like that's fine but there's not only one exactly there's not only one exactly arabs like muslims no state. there's a lot of them <laughs> there's a lot of them and there's only one jewish country no, absolutely so when you put all muslim states together fighting together for the same cause 
it gives them power. No, when absolutely. you have one country that fights to just be Jewish, it's a problem. So we're talking a lot about different forms of anti-Semitism, um, and you've you've shared some of your personal experiences. What does it look like to you to stand up to anti-Semitism? What should what are you doing, or what should others be doing? This is what I've been fighting with myself the past few days. Um, as a business owner, mm-hmm. I am trying to keep my page out of mm-hmm. anything political um, or even talking about anti-Semitism mm-hmm. just because I'm trying to keep my income... To be neutral. Yeah, yeah neutral to a situ- to this That's situation. Really Especially, you know, I'm living in the States. Mm-hmm. It's not a normal thing um, for every single business to start talking or addressing things mm-hmm. like anti-Semitism or whatnot, um, especially when in the media we're not the mainstream. Right. This is not. That's really hard. It's not talking about racism. It's talking about anti-Semitism, yeah. and people see it differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on my personal page, my personal um, Instagram page, mm-hmm. I have to say, and Facebook, I do allow myself to talk a little more about um, what it is and how it how it is scary. I, what the way I try to approach this is not actually from a political way. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to um, be like an eye opener yeah. for my friends um, that have no knowledge about anything, either Jewish or Israeli mm-hmm. or anything about the situation that is going on right now, and no knowledge about what it's like to be Jewish in in a foreign country right. or even be Jewish and judged in in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try I try to post things that explain that when you repost mm-hmm. uh, something that you don't know about or that looks like legitimate to mm-hmm. you, you are putting your Jewish friends maybe mm-hmm. in danger, in real danger. Because I've seen um, what those posts and how that hate becomes, let's beat a Jewish person up in the street. Mm-hmm. And you, you can see those incidents in Toronto, for yeah. instance, um, where Jews are, like running away and and getting beat up yeah, no, just a lot for of being Jewish, and that comes out of the hate that is unknowingly being spread on media. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the way I'm finding that I'm fighting it these days because I'm trying to at least I don't want to educate people about anti-Semitism. I don't want to teach anybody um, or even. I don't want my friends to think that I'm trying to control what they think. Mm-hmm. I bet I I am asking people to educate themselves yeah. on a situation that they know nothing about. Read about it. Re- check your facts, mm-hmm. um, and think twice before you post something that may be um, turning hate mm-hmm. hate excuse me towards your Jewish friends. Mm-hmm. And also pick up the phone. Ask your Jewish friend. I'm sure you have someone Jewish around you. Ask them how they're doing during these days. These are hard days for Jews in in the States or in any other foreign country that is not Israel. These are hard days for your friends in Israel, too. Anti-Semitism is real. It's out there. And you should care about your friends um, and how they're taking this and how they're going through it. Mm -hmm. 
that's the way I'm dealing with yeah. it. Um, it's the way I found that is right for me. How are you dealing with it? Oh my gosh, I have such a to-do list. You so do? Oh, I, I hope so. Then I need to learn so, from you. No, I mean, the first thing is um, I'm like in really a position of privilege within my job that I'm able to provide spaces for others to talk. And I think part of um, my role lately has been having one-on-one or small group conversations, especially with high school students, to provide them with a comfortable space and a trusted adult to bring whatever baggage they have with them. Do they have angst? Do they have questions? Do they have fears? Do they have anger? Um, Do they have like just kind of a checked out sense because like they don't want to be dealing with this because it's AP week. Shout out to all of you taking APs. Um, So I think providing those spaces is something that I'm really just honored to do. And I think by instilling confidence and knowledge and comfort within like this next generation, I feel like that's an impact that I'm able to make on a personal level. I mean, I do share on social media a lot, um, more more so lately. Um, But I think part of my role is also, you know, I have been... um, in a position where I have a lot of Jewish knowledge, I have a lot of Jewish lived experience, and I'm able to um, ask questions in a way that I hope encourages more critical thought. Um, you know, in my experiences with anti-Semitism in the past, a lot of them, I've been able to just kind of say, that's a really weird thing for you to say. Like when someone shout out to uh, an unknown person again i am not naming names um in college who came up to me and said you're jewish and i said yes and they said oh i still like you oh my god and i said i I have a very clear memory of saying what a weird thing for you to say and i feel like it's very easy to laugh that off be like thanks or just be like okay but i think by calling him just being like what an odd statement. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Um, so I'm, I'm able to do that. And also, I've been having a lot of thoughts lately about what it means to physically present as Jewish. You're awesome, because my reaction would be, well, this is the point where I stop liking you. <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> but I think physically presenting as Jewish has been interesting for me lately. So I've spoken to a lot of people um, lately, and listeners, you'll find out why in the coming weeks, um, related to anti-Semitism. Um, And one of the questions that I've been asking them and I've had therefore been able to think about for myself has been about like, how do you present? Um, So I know people all over the spectrum. I know people who after the shooting at Tree of Life several years ago said, I'm taking off my Jewish star or I'm uncomfortable wearing a kippah because I don't want people to know. I'm legitimately frightened. And I know people who have said, I've never worn a kippah in my life. It's not part of my how I do, part of my practice. But now I'm going to say, like, all the more so, I'm loud and proud and Jewish and, like, who've changed how they've behaved. Um, for me, I always have I mean you know again I don't dress in a visibly Jewish way but I have been more intentional about wearing a Jewish star and I've already gotten I mean it's you know comments or questions not in an anti-semitic way but in a I've noticed um from from strangers and in some ways I think that's great because I'm open to these conversations and I'm ready to have them in other contexts I'm just like that's crazy that something as simple as my jewelry choice is opening me up to conversation. Like we're not supposed to police each other's bodies in any way. Um, But I think that, 
you know, I remember growing up with a grandmother who had her family escaped Hitler and escaped the Nazis and fighting with her because when I would travel to Europe or to wherever it was, she would be horrified if I had a Jewish star or I at one point had, you know, an IDF t-shirt in my bag or I had a shirt that said Sababa on it because I am a cool person. Um, and these conversations about what kind of thought goes into how we present, I think are really interesting because so many of us don't think about them, but when we're asked, we realize like there is a choice or I think about what I'm getting into when I'm wearing my star and I'm not just wearing it in my bubble, but I'm wearing it at an airport um, or I'm wearing it you know, out in public. The other day there was a, a rally here in Cleveland um, that I know you weren't able to attend, but I missed you, um, in support of Israel. And some, I somehow had, I was given um, masks, because COVID, so fashion choices involve masks, that had an Israeli flag on them. And so that's the mask I was wearing at this rally. And then on my way home, I stopped at the grocery store, because that's where I hang out these days. And I had a moment of, oh my God, I'm wearing my Israeli flag mask through the grocery store and I'm not afraid and I will engage with any conversation that comes up from it. But to even have the thought of like, oh, I'm not wearing my polka dot mask or my surgical one. Like this is something that people have what to say about. And for me, responding to that is something really important. Of course, as long as it is safe and I don't feel physically intimidated and all of those um, different things. It's, it's funny what, what you said about traveling. Mm -hmm. um, the, the one thing that um, you learn very fast living in Israel or being Israeli is that when you travel, you do not take a, a bag that has Hebrew writing on right. it. You do not take a shirt that has Hebrew writing on it. And you don't speak too loudly in Hebrew. You don't speak loudly in Hebrew at all. Yeah. You check your surroundings first. You see who's around you. Um, just the other day, I went to dinner with my mom, my cousin, his husband, and a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And we sat at a restaurant, and then my cousin said something, and then he said the word Israel, and it was kind of loud. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him, and I said, I think we should all um, lower our voices, especially since we're talking Hebrew and using, you know, the words um, Israel in our, in our conversation. And he said... He looked at me and I said, I know this is weird, but I don't want to get beat up. It's so hard. It's so hard because I feel like this is one of those, like, you're both right, that your your feeling of safety is so important. I'm supposed to be proud of it. I am proud but of it. But to be loud. But I also, don't want to be, I also don't want to be beat up. And right. You don't want to invite a confrontation. And I think everyone, make, everyone who makes that choice, like, we, like I, I feel no position to comment on it. I have my own again choices that tend t more towards the loud and proud but like I feel that extra heartbeat and I think that you know again for you and him whatever choices both of you are making I like, don't feel yeah. safe um I don't feel as safe as I would like to so knowing that because that's a really vulnerable thing to say I, and wish, we I, I wish I felt safer and we can't fix those feelings of safety just internally, just within the Jewish community. What what do you wish non-Jewish allies and potential allies who are out there knew um, in this regard? I wish that non-Jewish allies or potential allies <laughs> um, 
I wish they knew more about what it actually means mm-hmm. to live a Jewish life mm-hmm. um, within Israel and outside of Israel. I wish they knew the amount of hate that um, we are exposed to from a really young age yeah. just for being Jewish. And I wish they also understood the feeling of how proud we still are to be Jewish. The, the one thing I told my mom when I moved here is that I will not lose my, my Jewishness. Right. Um, that I will stay I will stay Jewish and I've, I've said this on this podcast before I feel more Jewish now yeah. than ever and not specifically now these days but like now moving to the states I feel even more Jewish and more connected because mm-hmm. I don't live in Israel and because I'm forced to search for my Judaism more right because it's not all around me um I don't, I don't wish on anyone to be to to feel what it is to be a minority mm-hmm. in in any place but I do wish they understood the feeling yeah um, and maybe thought about it a bit more before spreading so much hate because mm-hmm. it's so easy to spread hate and it's so hard to erase it um, there's a, a story I'm gonna make it very short. Um, that I like to use as an analogy. 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 That was good. Thank you. Um, For for the fact that it's really easy to spread hate and it's harder to fix it. Mm -hmm. So there was this um, kid and his dad made him take a nail and put it in in a tree Mm -hmm. every time he he did something to hurt him. Mm -hmm. Okay? And he said something to hurt him. And then one day the dad took the kid outside and he made him take all the nails out of the tree. And there were marks of the nails in the tree. And he said, you see, every hurtful thing you said is still in the tree. Even if you apologize, even if you try to fix it, the mark is there. Mm -hmm. And that is what I wish all of our allies knew. It's still there. The mark is there. It's this is it's not new anti-semitism is not new mm-hmm. it's somehow finding new ways yeah. to be and to exist but it, this is this is a problem the jewish people have dealt with forever and i i wish i wish everyone knew this and understood this analogy of the nails yeah. in the tree and the mark it stays it stays yeah and it, I, I think it punctures the the psyche that's that's really hard because the, so the next thing that I wanted to uh, to talk about <laughs> is um, so Deborah Lipstadt, who is a professor at Emory University and um, the author of many books, but specifically she came out with a book um, I think in 2019 called Anti-Semitism Here and Now. Um, she writes about the oys and the joys of Judaism because for so many people. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of oi. There's you know the, these puncture wounds that are not just what you've personally experienced, but what we've inherited. That we've inherited your generations of trauma, of fear, and overcoming that is a lot. The um, as we record this, the most recent Pew report on the Jewish, the American Jewish community came out um, exactly a week ago. 
And um, the number one thing that, um, like there's a top five list of things that Jews say is important to, um, to their Judaism or to like how they practice Judaism. And one of the top five with over 70% of people reporting, and I can get the exact number, was remembering the Holocaust. And I'm not here to diminish remembering the Holocaust. Like that's obviously not my mission, but we focus so much as a Jewish community on the oi, on never forget and remember and these parts of sadness. And what um, Professor Lipstadt had said was, we have the oi, but we also need to find the joy and to find how do we define our Judaism in ways that are not against anti-Semitism or standing up to, or you know, overcoming all these different things, but what sparks joy? So as we kind of arc towards our close, What's sparking joy for your Judaism right now and how you Jew? It's like a Marie Kondo thing. What sparks joy? I think the fact that no matter what, um, there's a sense of community mm-hmm. sparks sparks joy with me. I feel that um, actually in the worst times mm-hmm. is when I feel the community yeah. the strongest, even more than in the, in the good times. Um, and my sense of community has grown even stronger moving to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an amazing, amazing Jewish community here, and I've learned about the Jewish community here is that it doesn't matter what type of Jew you are, the community is very, very much together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we definitely do stand together, and we definitely are stronger together. And I think that's what, that's what sparks joy for me, what is what what does what what does that look like for you? So many things lately. Um, I I mean, I hundred percent agree with the community aspect. I think part of also what sparks joy for me lately is just seeing all these different people finding ways to make Judaism relevant for them. Um, during in the pre-pandemic times, I was part of a very active Rosh Chodesh circle. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about Rosh Chodesh on other episodes, but it's a the holiday that. Um, for those listening, celebrates the start of each new month. It literally means head of the month, kind of like Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. Rosh Chodesh is head of the month. Um, and it's traditionally been a women's holiday. And um, I used to be part of a group that we marked it every month. And then during the pandemic and everything went on Zoom, my college friends and I actually started marking Rosh Chodesh together virtually. And we were like, why weren't we doing this for the last 10 years? That it's so nice to have this designated time to do Jewish, to do human, like just connections and catching up with each other in a way that we otherwise wouldn't have. And we're just one micro example. I think seeing people's creativity with how they're doing right now, um, you know, against a backdrop of sitting in a lot of meetings where we talk about dropping numbers in synagogues and kind of traditional markers of affiliation going down. It could be really dark, but then I see these like micro communities and organic ways that people are doing. And I'm just so excited about what's to come. Um, This was a big conversation. So I'm kind of inviting both of us to exhale. And for listeners, we're excited to continue the conversation. We're going to be inviting guests on to talk more about anti-Semitism. We encourage you to reach out to us with your thoughts, your feedback. You can reach out and say if you want to be anonymous. All of the above are welcome. Please, 
please tell us where where anti-Semitism meets you. Yeah. We, we want to hear your stories. We, we want, want to. Stories. Yeah. So all of the above, you can reach us at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. You can DM us or follow us on Instagram at howdoyoujewpod. Check out our website, howdoyoujewpod.com. And of course, wherever you are listening to this podcast, uh, not only, usually I say just subscribe, rate, review, five stars, but also share it. Um, share it with someone who you think um, would benefit from listening either to this episode or to others. And as always, um, we're excited to continue the conversation. Yes. And, you know, until next time, <laughs> happy doing. <laughs>